Restless Midlifer podcast. Get health, weight and life back on your terms. Hi and welcome to episode 78 of the podcast. Now I've got a great interview with nutritionist Aileen Smith. Now Aileen, we share, we explore Aileen's own story in terms of her midlife um, shifts and changes which have brought her to her current focus which is working with and supporting runners, particularly female runners uh, across ages but a lot of them within midlife who are seeking to, to balance out the challenges of life, perhaps things like menopause and other midlife challenges with maintaining health, getting back to fitness or enhancing their fitness, whatever. So she works with a range of different experiences in runners, people who are starting from scratch, people who are returning to running perhaps after a hiatus or a time away, or and also those who are more experienced runners and just maybe experiencing other challenges within life, whether it, it is the menopause and having to adjust things like nutrition uh, and and rest and, and how they build running into their life. So it's a really fascinating uh, interview. We do dive into Aileen's background and story, and so I've had loads of questions around that, and Aileen shares a wealth of information around that, around her her experiences, personal experience with burnout, how she supports clients in their previous guise as a nutritionist, but also now in terms of burnout, recovery, that kind of thing. So we explore a lot, and I hope there's, I think there's something there for everybody, particularly if whether male or female, we are finding that challenge of, you know, I do want to do something. I want to get back to some sort of fitness, something that I want to just get my teeth into. But every time I try, I feel like I wipe myself out or I get an injury or I end up with a cold or something, something sets us back. And it's how do we get started? And so we explore that. And I think running, which is uh, uh, Aileen's particular focus at the moment, is um, a, a great low barrier for many of us. Not for everybody, um, but it is a great low barrier entry for, for many of us to do that. Um, and I started my own kind of return to fitness, if you like. Um, I'm now doing CrossFit, and that's kind of my bag at the moment. But it was, I got into the Couch to 5K, um, which is for those who I'm sure many of you will know it. But the Couch to 5K is an initiative that basically intend, it aims to take you from the couch, pretty much inactive, static or whatever, to running a 5K race. Not necessarily aiming to win it, but to complete it. And it takes you through in a very slow, chunk-down approach. And you can actually get a free apps of that where they, they take you through the audios and the journeys. I think it's an eight-week plan, if I remember off the top of my head. It's a while ago since I did it. And I guess this is really where I want to just, before the interview, get you thinking about whether you're starting or restarting or you are looking to just up uh, up the gears, if you like, up the, the effort level in what you are already doing in terms of fitness. Whatever you are, what I want to do is think about how can you start, restart or up in a small but significant way, in a sprout size way, because I'm all about the sprouts, as, as, as you know. Um, but I also believe that when we're introducing a new activity or we're engaging and trying to level it up a little bit, we do need to not bite off more than we can chew. That was always my challenge. You know, when I before I did the Couch of 5K, I would always think, right, I'm going to go out, I'm going to get back to run, I'm going to I'll go out and I would aim to do five miles, come back shin splints, hobbling, um, and that would be motivation gone and just feeling defeated. So it's about how do we do it in small incremental ways. So there's that side. What could you do? And what have you done in the past that you've perhaps found enjoyable, fun? Um, you found there's a sense of community around it because I think that's a really important part of it. So it's picking something or some things that you can do that has that lower barrier to entry. You don't feel as if it's so high and intimidating 
for many of us, because I know perhaps returning to the gym can be that, that, that bar up a little bit. So how do we build our confidence back and what can you do? You may also be managing other things, you know, whether it's um, health conditions, it might be a disability, those kinds of challenges. So it's about working out, well, what can you do? And this is where I want to change, sort of to bring the phrase out of turning your shoulds into coulds. Because I think the word should is often, it's a word that's often when we use it about ourselves or about others, about the world, we add pressure, we add expectation and constraints to us. I should be able to do this. I should do this. I should, they should be, things should be. That should word, if we catch ourselves using that word, can often imply that we're adding too much pressure. And the reality is we either do or we don't. You will or you won't. So why not let's take that should and turn it into a could. What could you do within the the constraints of life, your health, your abilities, your confidence levels as they are now, because confidence will grow. But what could you do? What are the options? And how could you start? If you pick one or two things, you think, you know, I could have a go at that. How could you make a small but significant sprout size start in that? And that might be you find a friend who does it. You ring a, ring a, a personal trainer or a coach, or you join a gym or something, or you get a pair of trainers on and you go out for that walk stroke run with the Couch to 5K playing in your ears or you you connect with somebody like Aileen uh, in terms of tying up picking up some advice there in terms of starting the running so for me it's about turning the shoulds into the coulds what could you do and that could tap into what you used to do what you used to love but have perhaps let go or perhaps within the constraints you have what are the options that you could have and find a small way to do it and I'd love to know what they are if you give me a shout at Dave at Restless Midlife I'd love to hear what those are but for now on with the interview Hi Eileen, uh, it's lovely to have you along. I've been obviously looking forward to this interview for a while. Um, so, do you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your background and uh, what have you? Yeah, hi Dave, thanks very much for the invitation first of all. Um, yeah, well my background is that I'm a nutritionist and a podcaster. Um, more Most recently in the last couple of years I've been focusing on nutrition for female runners and that's female runners of all abilities and particularly focusing on midlife female runners, which I think is what brought us together to have this yeah. conversation. Um, prior to that, um, I ran a nutrition clinic and uh, that was really to help people in business have a healthier lifestyle. And before that, we'll go way back in history. I, um, I ran my own business for a number of years. It was a, a busy sort of 24-7 business. I took it from startup to sale in 10 years and in the process got got burnt out really and my health suffered and that's what led me into uh, training to be a nutritionist and um, helping people on their health journeys so yeah that's a potted history of, uh, of my <laughs> my personal health and my nutrition career. Great, great, and it's interesting how these things can shape the direction that you 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 end up going in, isn't it? And that's certainly the case for me and a lot of people I speak to and work with. Um, so, before we get into the latest stuff, which is obviously a particular interest, I'm also interested in the midlife story, the stories that shape us, and and the decision. You know, those crucible times where you you kind of end up making a decision to go down a particular path as well, because I think that's a key part of this. It's not health is a foundational thing. And I think if we can reclaim that we can make a, it can have a snowball effect on a lot of things, but at the same time, we also find ourselves, many of us in midlife 
I don't know, getting to that point where you go, is this it? You know, I'm working hard and yes, I'm doing well in this. I'm doing well, but I'm, as you said, burned out or I'm just not fulfilled. Um, and what is it that helps us maybe just deal with that or confront it? So that that's where I'm coming from as well. So I guess going back, um, we met each other a few years back now, pre the current focus, uh, when you were uh, running your nutrition side of things. So if we go back before that, um, you, you said you built a successful business. How, how, how did that all happen, come about, you know, in terms of? Um, well, I worked in the catering and hospitality industry um, in the workplace arena. So we ran um, restaurants up in the workplace, really. And um, I was an employee uh, for a lot of years working at director level, operations director level. And it was quite um, a traditional cycle in our industry for uh, people to um, sell businesses and then the people that were the employees would leave and they'd set up the business and they'd grow a business to sell and I did that with a couple of colleagues and um, you know that took about a 10-year life cycle and we went into that with the you know the outset was we're going to build this business to sell and um, you know so we worked really really hard uh, to build a business and get it to the level where we could sell it uh, but during that period, you know, I th- I'm sure you'll identify with this. When you start a business, um, you know, the adrenaline kicks in. You don't have much money. You do everything on sheer hard work and dedication and enthusiasm. And uh, that's what gets you through. You know, it's usually you're living on fresh air because everybody else gets paid before you do. And, uh, you know, you do that for a number of years. And then, you know, you hit a point where you start making money and you can earn money for yourselves. Um, but then you start thinking, actually, this is blooming hard work here. And and I sort of felt as if I'd morphed into my business. I felt like I wasn't an individual on my own. And um, somewhere during that period, I remember having what I refer to now as my enough is enough moment. And and I realized that I was, you know, mega unhealthy. I was on the road all the time. I was living in hotels. I wasn't eating properly. Um, I was overweight. I didn't have any social life really because it was just work, work, work. And I met somebody actually, it was through work. um, And we were building as part of a facility, we were putting a gym into this um, workplace. And the guy who was the consultant doing it, he ran a gym. And he said to me, you should come along, Aileen. And about probably six months later, um, when I'd had my enough is enough moment, I remember that conversation. I thought, you know what, I'm going to be brave enough to phone Steve up and say, can I have an appointment? And I did. And I started doing some personal training with him. And that start, that was the kickstart, I think. And I was pretty terrified, I must admit. Um, it felt really out of my comfort zone. Um, I was doing it at six o'clock in the morning because I couldn't let it interfere with work. <laughs> so I used to go. And it, it was funny, actually, it got earlier and earlier. Um, so I did that for a while. And um, and then we were in the process of selling the business. And I started getting healthier and I started losing weight. and. Um, you know, we were in, as I say, we were in the process of selling the business. And during that sort of sale process, when we finally sold, I then had a period of time where you, you're sort of in a transition. You have to stay to babysit the business, hand it over to the new owners. And I went on a what was probably known as a healthy holiday, really. It was like go to a retreat 
and there was good food and exercise classes and spa facilities, that kind of thing. And um, and I met a nutritionist there and uh, she you know, gave me a bit of advice and I asked her about what she'd done. And I, but I was sort of in the head zone of what will I do next? You know, once I leave this business, what am I going to do next? And that sort of sowed a seed with me really as to, you know, I was beginning to get healthier myself. I didn't want people to go through what I'd been through. And um, you get a bit evangelistic, actually, don't you, when you start getting healthy and you want to spread the word. And that was that was a big sort of turning point for me. Um, and then when I actually left the business, um, I then investigated how I could train to be a nutritionist because that seemed to fit in well with all my food background, really. Um, mm. and that's, that was the, the starting point, I guess. Yeah. Wow. So just going back to, you know, you mentioned you, you start the, the gym was a, or starting mm. at the gym, getting healthy was a real positive sort of thing started a snowball, I guess, from that. Um, one of the things that I've found, um, and it might tie in actually with perhaps some of you work with in the nutrition side as well, so maybe pick your brains there. One of the things I've found is that, you know, you when you're in a position of working really hard, you know, long hours, um, building something, or even, you know, you're, you're, you're almost, as you say, become a, a victim of that success, you know, almost handcuffed, if you like, to the, to the success in a way. It can be very hard, firstly, to fit it in, or to see how it fits in, but also, I guess, uh, just from experience with with clients and, and myself, I suppose, is that you've got to be careful with introducing something like fitness and exercise, as powerful and beneficial as it can be, because it's an additional stressor that could add to the potential burnout. So it's that it's that mix, isn't it? So how did how did you approach that, or was that in your mind? Was that were you conscious of that at the time? And to, to be fair, Dave, I knew nothing about stress or stress hormones mm. at that point. Um, I just when fortunately to somebody who was very professional yeah. and who um gently guided me through you know I was the kind of person that couldn't even walk on a treadmill you know I was so uptight I didn't know what to do and um you know he made it a very sort of a, an easy light-hearted experience some of it was um challenging but I actually found the challenging bits made me feel good because mm. I was doing something that I didn't think I could do and so I would leave the gym thinking, oh, you know, I've just balanced on whatever or I've done something great today. Sometimes it was it was just a de-stressor and mm. it set me up for the day. Um, but it wasn't till a number of years later. And I think it was probably when I was actually studying nutrition and I started to have some aha moments about the impact of all that stress and how it had impacted on my health and well-being. And that was, you know, quite emotional for me to learn that, um, you know, that I had been, my behaviours had been driving um, the stress hormones and that was affecting um, my weight gain. It was affecting my hormonal system, um, particularly as a, a woman of that age, how it was affecting me there. Um, you know, and it was, uh, yeah, quite enlightening, looking, reflecting and looking back. And I think that really informed how I worked with um, clients after that to to help them understand what brought brought them to that place and you know it's nobody's fault you do what you think is the right thing to do and um, one of the things that I share with people is being that in that superwoman superman 
mm. persona um, because I'm quite normally quite a calm person and nobody would have known that I was highly stressed. I mm. probably didn't even know I was highly stressed myself, um, but there's this silent effects of stress going on under the bonnet. And I think it's really important for everybody to be aware of that um, as early in their working life as they can be. But, you know, if they hit midlife and it catches up with you, again, it's not too late to do something about it. And, uh, you know, awareness is everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. I think I think that's the, the point of having somebody professional who could guide you through at the right pace is really, really useful. Um, because I, I don't know about you, but certainly me and many people that I know, being driven, being, you know, thinking what hard work does, as you say, when you start a business, hard work does pay off in that sense, doesn't it? It's it's what gets the results and gets you through. But if you apply that mindset to absolutely everything, including fitness, you are generally having a bit of a toxic mix. Whereas if you can just pace them out, there's so many multiple benefits to the fitness side, isn't there? For- yeah. yeah. And I think as well, you know, often I would say that a leopard, a leopard doesn't change the spots. And I found myself doing exactly the same again when I went to college. I did four years studying. And again, I, I just worked really, really hard, worked around the clock. It was, it, again, it was something totally new to me. Uh, so I was learning everything from scratch. Um, and I put quite a lot of pressure on myself. Um, so you have to learn a bit of self-management along the way. And, um, you know, I think I'm a lot better at that now, um, having sort of done two cycles of it and realizing that um, if I don't, man- nobody else is going to manage it for me. Um, it's good to have a coach because I think coaches can flag it every now and again. Um, but ultimately, you know, your own knowledge is power and, and being able to recognize the signs in yourself. Um, that's really important. I think that's true. And I think, you know, I think you're right. You know, the thing I'm doing is I haven't changed per se. I'm still potentially a driven all or nothing person. I've just become very aware of that through a lot of painful episodes that have brought me back to Oh, Dave, you've done it again. So I think that, but it's also exercising that self-management. I think also a little bit of self-compassion as well, because, you know, we are who we are and we've got to value that as much as we can, you know, within that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really important thing to mention there, self-compassion, because, you know, at the heart of it, we're all good people. <laughs> we, we're just yeah. trying to do our best and uh, being kind to yourself is really important. It's, it's not always about achievement. One of... Uh, my sister actually laughed out loud at me once when I was like saying something about, I just want to get a 10 out of 10 for that. And she was like, what about an eight out of 10? Wouldn't that be enough? So you've got to remember what is enough yeah. and you'll always have to be a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. And it, it is reminding yourself of it as well. If, if your natural default is, is the other way. So, yeah, you know, you, t- you talked about before you kind of move into some of the clients you work with subsequent, but um you mentioned the emotional journey that you had when you started to come to terms with what your understanding of stress was and past, you know, your past experiences. Is there anything you would share from that in terms of what you learned yourself or what you went through? Um, what, what did I learn? I think it's just really one of the things that we do in nutrition. I'm, I'm trained as a functional nutritionist and it's very much based on personalized nutrition. And one of the processes we go through is looking at, um, a client's timeline. So everything that's happened to you from basically being a child all the way through your life. Um, and that helps inform a nutritional practitioner about, um, what the, 
uh, the triggers have been um, to certain things happening and also what what's mediating you holding you in in a certain health position um so you know I think on my reflections what I learned was you know there were some pretty stressful events during um you know that particularly that sort of 20-year career period, you know, 10 years of being employed in a high-level job, then 10 10 years of uh, setting a business up and then selling it was an emotional thing as well. Um, And then there was a few personal things, you know, peppered in. And I think, to be fair, everybody who's in that midlife stage is probably going to have similar things have happened to them. You know, we've all, we're all a little bit battered and bruised by things that have happened to us in life. It's inevitable, you know, there's things that go on with your family, um, you know, things in personal life, things that happen to your friends, uh, what's going on with work. So it's to be expected, I think, that we're in that sort of situation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the emotional side was it is just really helpful because it helps you connect with what you've been through. Um, so I don't think it's bad to feel those feeling rather than have them buried and I I said something earlier on which was you know I felt a bit uptight and I think during that period of going back to college and learning I did quite a lot of self-development things on myself various different programs um, you know learning to coach and that kind of thing and um, that sort of unraveled me I I often feel like I was an onion that there was things being peeled off and I'm much more um open um and relaxed about myself whereas that previous you know phase I think I was just um as I say a bit uptight about everything really as a result of what I'd been going through and I think that's common for a lot of um, business people and people that are in professional jobs where they've got a lot of responsibility because it it's 24 seven. It never switches off. Um, yeah. Um, that onion metaphor, I think is a brilliant analogy. It's something I used to use a lot with the idea um, of how stress can layer, but so can your coping mechanisms and what have you. So for me, a lot of it, um, I think a lot of us experience this, you know, you grow up trying to sort of adapt to a life that, perhaps you feel as if you should, you, you haven't quite worked out your own passions, et cetera. Um, and suddenly life starts and you have to just get on with it. And you kind of layer a lot of protection around and that's the, there's a protection or push down that emotion, close down that dream, that ambition, curb that behavior because it doesn't seem to fit in the workplace. All of these things, and you get these layers, don't you? And it can lead to physical tension, never mind psychological mm. kind of tension. And for me, that I think that's part of the, the midlife process, which is why I often say it's not just an age thing. Because this could happen at any point where you just go, hang on a minute, yeah. <laughs> who am I and what am I doing, you know? Yeah, um, so as you say, feeling is really, it's a good, powerful way to think about it, isn't it? Yeah, and, and unfortunately, I mean, some of my younger clients, you know, I've got clients even who are in their late 20s and their work-life balance is just not there and they constantly are on all the time. And uh, I think I find that quite sad, really, that they're in that situation so much earlier in their lives. Um, But when you were talking there about stress layering on, I mean, one of the really important concepts to think about is the impact of chronic stress and that layering on for year after year after year. And um, that's the kind of stress that is probably the most damaging and you know it really can affect your um, cortisol um, patterns and it when it gets out of control that's when you're heading to 
you know, a real crash and burnout and nobody really wants to be in that situation. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that, that's a really important point that um, you could take years to get to burnout. <laughs> um, and often when you get to that realisation, you're at that point, physical, emotional, psychological burnout, it's usually a mix, isn't it? There's a lot of things. It isn't a quick fix or an overnighter because it took years to layer on. We have to start to unlearn some things, recharge the batteries uh, and start to put in boundaries. And that takes time, doesn't it? So I'm interested, actually, I, I know we were going to talk, we are going to talk about the running, um, uh, midlife running side of things. But I'm interested also in if you've had, it sounds like you've had some clients within the nutrition side um, who are the, the driven, stressed out business person, perhaps, who are looking to, I don't feel better be a bit healthier what what's your experiences or what 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 have you learned that perhaps is worth sharing around um how nutrition and just getting that sort of side of things a little bit better than than it was can help or can it help question your honor <laughs> yeah so um one of the really important things that you can do to manage um or help manage the stress hormones is to balance your blood sugar. And uh, that was one of the key parts of the work that I did within the health heroine. Um, So it was all about, I used to talk a lot about having high flying energy and that was one of my programs that I ran. Um, So, and that was really just teaching people some basic concepts on um, eating regularly, uh, having plate balance uh, and eating the right balance of, of nutrients. And by doing that, you can quite quickly reset your blood sugar balance because your blood sugar balance often gets disrupted by stress mm-hmm. and by other stimulants, which we tend to go for when we're stressed, like sugar, alcohol, um, that kind of thing. Um, so just by employing a few simple basics, um, what you do there is you uh, you instead of having a sort of a roller coaster blood sugar throughout the day you can get a nice even situation and that's really the the sort of foundation for um, supporting your adrenal hormones and then the other thing that you can think about is that if you think about the, your adrenals are a tiny little um, gland that uh, they're a powerhouse they you know they work really really hard so I, I usually use the car and engine analogy so if you think of your adrenals as being the engine and then the new a lot of the nutrients that you're taking on board as being the fuel to run the engine um, and what tends to happen is that we get um, we're using up more nutrients than we can possibly um, take in because we're driving so fast um, and particularly the ones that get um, used up the most quickly are vitamin C, magnesium and B vitamins and that then when you're using them up really quickly that tends to manifest as uh, low energy because those nutrients are needed to produce energy. Um, So often when I'm working with people nutritionally I might look at what what their depletions are and do they need more than they actually uh, are getting in through their food and that might just be a short-term thing to do you know maybe for a few months but that can just give them enough fuel to run on and then the other area we look at is what we can do to help restore the engine so that's restoring the adrenal gland Um, and there's various different nutrients that we can work with to help do that but 
it is a bit like thinking about, I mean, I talk to people about having a, you know, as you get older, think about running a vintage car, you know, keep everything beautifully clean and maintained and then you'll sail into old age. Um, don't race around like you're a boy racer um, and never take your car to the garage, you know, make sure it's well maintained. Um, so if you, if you do all of those things and also add in a lot of restorative practices so yes, the exercise is great, um, but make sure it's a mix of things that will help rebalance you. Um, so a restorative, it could be Pilates, yoga, maybe some meditation, breathing, uh, going for a walk in nature, just calming down, um, anything that will calm you down. Um, and then the other thing that I think often happens with people that are in that highly stressed state is that they're sleep-wake cycle is totally out of kilter and that's usually related to the circadian rhythm which is um, controlled by cortisol um, and they, they they often fall into that tired and wired so they're the kind of people that can't get up in the morning they peak during the day they crash at evening meal and then about eight or nine o'clock they're like oh I feel okay again right I'll start working and I, I remember being like that myself um, so that's another area that can be uh, looked at to help them get into their cortisol being high in the mornings to help them get up, low in the evenings to help them go to sleep. Um, so that that's uh, a whistle-stop tour of yeah. <laughs> what you can do to help stress. The Midlife Reshape Academy is now up and running and the founder members are off to a great start. If you too are a midlifer and you're finding your health and weight have slipped in the wrong direction, you're feeling overwhelmed and lost by the prospect of embarking on yet another attempt to regain your health, then drop me a line at dave at restlessmidlifer.com to find out how my Reshape Immersive programs can help provide everything you need to get you back on track and achieving more than you thought possible in terms of your weight, health and zest for midlife and beyond. You can find out more at midlifereshape.com there's, lo- there's loads there actually we could probably spend a whole two podcast episodes just digging into that and i think i totally relate to a lot of those um from the stress side and just the the havoc that stress particularly chronic stress but chronic stress coupled with the peaks of acute stress within a, a typical day can have on your energy levels and what have you. I think that's a, a really important thing. Um, and- One other thing, Dave, I just wanted to, it just popped into my head just to mention, because uh, I think it's really crucial for midlife uh, listeners to know about this. There's something called the cortisol steel. And what happens is the, the hormones are made through um, as, as a pathway and at the top of the pathway is the stress hormones and further down the pathway are the sex hormones. And when we are in a highly stressed state, the body will prioritize making stress hormones. And the knock-on effect on that is particularly for, for women, it means that, you know, when we're going through the perimenopausal stage, our hormone balances fluctuating greatly and there's there's less resources to make female sex hormones because everything's going into making the stress hormones um you know it can affect fertility it can affect libido um you know what however it's affecting women the chances are it's affecting men in the same sort of way um so you know when we hit that midlife if we're feeling that everything's you know, going a bit out of control, then, you know, get to the root of the problem, which might be uh, the stress. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a really. I used to talk about it like the the, the basically maintaining a, a, a like a a home. You know, you might have your day to day tasks to maintain. You'll have a tidy round, a hoover up. You make the beds. You change the sheets. You wash. You do. You know, do you do all the basics? Just keep it nice and on top. But obviously, if you start to have a leaky roof or something like that, your attention starts to divert. Your funds start to divert. Your time starts to divert. Now, one leaky roof that you can get fixed, you can get a, somebody out to fix it. You know, you back up into the pattern. But if you have a leaky roof, then this, then something else. Suddenly, your day to day routines don't get taken care of, and things start to fall into a bit of well, disorder, dilapidation, yeah. and then things break because they're not being maintained. So mm-hmm. it's like your system, your body is like that in that it always will want to keep you alive in the moment. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And cortisol is an interesting one because it plays a part in, as you say, your day-to-day, but also that longer-term um, process of shoring up the stress mm-hmm. reserves as if it's the, it's the backup troops. So it's an interesting chemical. Um, it's often maligned, but it is really important, as you said, in your circadian cycles. So you mentioned about it because it's interesting because I talk about this in my sleep programs, but if you're trying to get somebody back out of that most dramatic peaks, you know, into something that's more, more beneficial for us being more wakeful on a morning and, and having a more natural process through to hopefully tiredness at night. Is there any particular tips or things that you found useful for that? Because I think that's a really important part. If you are working really hard, you'll no doubt go through that and propping up with coffee, sugar, you know, all sorts of things through the day. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, always with nutrition, we try to add in the good stuff first rather right. than taking everything out because that can, again, you know, if you're somebody who's living on you know, a number of cups of coffee a day and suddenly I say to you, don't think that's a good idea and take it all away. That's going to stress you out straight away, isn't it? So it's all about um, having a gentle um, step-by-step approach. Um, Often these people, because they're so tired in the morning, it's best to allow them to sleep if they can. Um, you know, so it might be, I'm working with a lady at the moment and she was like getting up at 7.30, but taking like an hour and a half to get going. So we just said, why don't you just sleep an hour later and then have half an hour to get ready? And that seems to be uh, working with her. Um, I mean, everybody's slightly different. Some people it's because the blood sugar isn't balanced that can be disruptive overnight and that can cause tiredness. Um, I usually suggest to people to try and get out into daylight um, first thing in the morning. You know, it's, we're, we're recording this in the autumn, so we're about to go into the darker mornings. I know I've noticed that recently. Um, but when you can, you know, in that first half of the day, spending 15, 20 minutes in bright daylight can he- help reset Um, So it's just like moving things incrementally. You know, if you're somebody that goes to bed at one o'clock in the morning, go to bed at quarter to one and keep moving it back. And eventually, um, you know, you'll get into a a nice rhythm. And I think at nighttime is like, don't do anything that's going to stimulate you, you know, so don't be watching news night and, uh, you know, scary films and things like that, you know, do, do something relaxing before you go to bed. Um, it's a bit like, you know, I mean, I'm sure everybody will have heard these um, suggested before, but it's a bit like having a, a toddler. It's like you need a routine and yeah. you need a routine to get to bed and you need a routine to get up in the morning. And if you treat yourself like, like a child um, and look after yourself, a bit like you were saying earlier, that self-compassion, um, yeah. it, it works. It's such an interesting thing. I think uh, well, that's all fantastic advice because you, you – 
treat yourself like a child, like you were nurturing a child is a really important one because I think we can be so cruel and hard and driving of ourselves. And I fall into this trap even recently. I mean, I've, I've those incremental changes, I've weaned myself off caffeine generally. I've decaf now. And uh, to the point that I had a couple of coffees out with a friend last week and I was totally wired and, and, and shaking and anxious feelings as a result. So it shows you how quickly I'd adapted back. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took a while. It took a while. But what I've also found is as the old voice says, right, you need to be getting up early. You need to be getting up early to do this, that, and the other. And as you say, it's getting darker. You know, the, the mornings are darker. So, you know, is there anything lost by doing that when perhaps getting out into the fresh air, but the mornings are a bit later anyway. So why not be a bit flexible with yourself in that process? I mean, I know some people it's difficult. It depends on what your work is. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, some, some people do have to get out and about. But if you've got the flexibility to do it, then yeah. try something different. And the other, um, if you don't like the child analogy, what I used to say to clients was treat treat yourself like your number one customer at work you know whether it's your boss or the you know the number one client that you would do anything to keep their business and if you put yourself at the top of the tree um then you know you've got you've got to be looking after yourself before anybody else and then everybody else gets what they need from you so that's another way of thinking about it yeah you've reminded me of uh, is it george mccowan who wrote essentialism he talks about protect the asset and you are the asset, you're your number one asset. And without that asset, obviously, all is done for. So you've got to protect the asset. Um, I suppose it's just finding the right metaphor, the right thing that can jar you back to, hang on a minute, am I am I driving myself unreasonably here? Mm-hmm. Yes, there's things I have to do. But within that, how much of that is have to versus me driving? So I think mm-hmm. that's a really, really yeah. interesting thing. So, yeah, so, I mean, there's loads more we could <laughs> dive into there. It's really fascinating. Um, but I do want to talk about the work that you're doing now because you've moved into from the nutrition side into working with running uh, with sorry with runners, particularly uh, uh, midlifers. Do you want to tell us how you'd moved into that and and that kind of what the work that you're doing? Yeah, well, I suppose it started with me becoming a runner in my midlife, uh, which was a, a sort of spin-off of doing the personal training um, and going on the healthy holiday. I think I went on one healthy holiday, the one that I talked about, where I met the nutritionist, and I did another one six months later because I sort of couldn't stop thinking about it. And um, and when I went on the second one, the PT trainer that was there, we were we were in um, Rocco, and they said, well, we're going to go out for a run every morning. And I'd never, be, well, stepped back a little bit. I had gone out for a very tiny run with my personal trainer one morning. He'd said to me about seven o'clock in the morning, uh, we're going out for a run today. And I'm like, I can't, people, people will see me. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, we're, we're going alien. So we went out and I ran around the block and it was really, really difficult. And um, so we'd, we'd started doing a little bit of running and then I went on the retreat and the, the trainer there um, got us out running every day. And by the end of the week, I'd run a 5K and which was massive. You know, I'd never, never thought I could do anything like that. And then I came back. It was at the end of the year, sort of December time. And the last training session at the gym uh, before Christmas, Dave, who was my trainer, said to me, um, so I think we need to think about some goals for next year. And uh, he said, I'm thinking the Great North Run. And I'm like, what? <laughs> That's crazy. So I said, well, I'll think about it. And then we got together in January and I said, okay, I'll 
I'll train, but I'm not saying I'm going to do it. I, I need to know whether it's possible. And um, around about the same time, a very good friend of mine had been diagnosed. Um, well, she was recovering from ovarian cancer and she said she'd like to do it. And I thought, well, if she's going to train for it, you know, I've got to. And so I just started uh, very slowly and gradually built up and and I did my first Great North Run that year, which was um, fantastic. Totally um, shocked everybody who knew me. Uh, nobody thought it was anything that I would ever do. And and that just started me running. Um, so, you know, move on, you know, a number of years, get to college. I meet Karen, um, Karen Campbell, who is now my business partner, and um, she's also a runner and she specializes in sports nutrition. And Karen lives down in London. Obviously, I'm up in Newcastle. Um, but we, we became really good friends. And Karen's um, more of a marathon and ultra runner, whereas my distance is, you know, half marathon maximum. Um, and sometime you know, while I was running my, my business, my health heroin business, um, a Pilates studio got in touch with me. Um, asked if I would run a program for them and and that was just on basic nutrition and I ran that and at the end of the the program some of the people on it said do you ever do anything with runners because we're runners and I thought oh well yeah actually I could do something with runners and so I spoke to Karen about it and we put together a 14-day program which we ran on Facebook and it was live and it went down quite well and the people who um, joined us at the end of it said we really like that but we'd really like it if you could have if we could have videos of everything that we could look at afterwards and that sort of drove us towards recording the program uh, running it as an online program and then we were like well what are we going to do next and it sort of just really evolved um, we then I went to a marketing event somebody suggested that we run a podcast and so that happened just before lockdown, the first lockdown. So Karen and I did a course on running how you you know launch a podcast, and so that's what we we did. Um, so the podcast is she runs eats performs, um, and then we thought, well, we need a business around this podcast. <laughs> so then then we set up Runners Health Hub, and um, that more or less brings us up to where we are now. So it's been about two years, and I'm now just at the point where. I'm sort of um, gradually letting go my other nutrition business because I really want to concentrate on on helping uh, female runners. And so that's how it all sort of came about, really. Yeah, cool. I mean, it's, it's some, so, so much experience there and, and bringing it into that particular area as well. And I, and for me, this is where I think it's really interesting that the, is how if we as we said before, the, the starting with the fitness or the health, weight, health, energy is a great place for any of us to start that can lead to things snowballing and even changes direction in life, business, work, whatever. But it's a good foundational bit. So how, if you're working with some so some of those midlife runners, those females, are they coming into running, to starting in running as if it's a new thing? Is that what it is? And, and if so, what are some of the... What brings them to it generally and what is it that they find challenging any confidence issues anything about that that, that you, you find you have to you, you you're useful in giving advice on 
Well, I think um, there's a mixture. There are some beginner runners, and I think there are more and more midlife runners. Uh, you just have to go to a park run or any event, and there are lots of people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Uh, my friend's dad, who is 84, is running the London Marathon this weekend. You know, so it, you know, the sky's the limit really from an age profile. And I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how that progresses and also for the first time ever I think that events are getting to the point where there's probably slightly more women than men um, entering running events um, so yeah there there is definitely a lot of beginner runners usually they come into it a bit like me it might be a charity challenge or something like that um, and then they get a taste for it and think I want to keep going um, but we also attract people that have been running for a few years um, who are just either wanting to get the edge and they've done everything they can from a training point of view and they're beginning to think, well, I could fine-tune my nutrition to help me. And then also we get women who have been running for a while and then they hit the perimenopause phase and they start to struggle with their health and just not feeling you know, as good as they can be. Um, so that was, you know, an angle that Karen and I've really focused on is what you need to do as a midlife runner to navigate your way through perimenopause. And then also once you're post-menopause, that's another phase, unfortunately, of life where, um, you know, the hormone balance is totally changed and you may be not recovering as well. You're getting a few more aches and pains. Uh, you might need to change the way that you train and how you eat. So, you know, it's a big spectrum, really. Um, so that's sort of the, the type of people that we work with. But mostly they're just everyday people who like running. Uh, and there are a few people that are, you know, just getting into running and they want to be healthier uh, while they do it. You know, so that's the the profile. Yeah, that's cool. So if we if we... I mean, I guess there's a number of different um, reasons somebody comes to it. But if we look at um, somebody who maybe is a runner, but they're just finding the perimenopause mm. is starting to affect them, what what are some of the challenges? How do you support them in that? Because uh, well, I've had Carolyn Hobdy on um, the podcast a few weeks back now, and uh, she works with midlife women in coaching around midlife and also menopause. And I think, obviously, there's a there's a lot there it's a very individual thing as well um mm -hmm. i'm certainly no expert but i think it's in, important to recognize that um there is support and what can be done and perhaps that it isn't about giving up on something if correct me if i'm wrong it's it's about how you adapt rather than give up on it so do you want to share your thoughts on that yeah well so let's think when if you, once you start hitting the sort of perimenopause and your hormones are are in flux and everything's changing. One of the key things that women tell us is a problem is that their body shape changes. And even people that have that are, you know, they might look slim, but they're noticing that maybe they're not as toned or as um, you know, looking as um strong as they have been in the past. Um, so it's body composition, it could be weight gain or it could just be muscle tone that's changing. Um Things like sleep can affect you and your energy levels, you know, um, so having things like hot flushes can affect your sleep. Um, you, you feel a bit tired, so you might not be as energetic enough to go out running. Um, 
Yeah, those are the sort of the big ones. There's other things like mental, you know, mental health, brain fog, feeling mm-hmm. depressed. Um, those kind of things can be, be going on too. And then from a lifestyle point of view, women uh, at that age, uh, you know, it's a it's a big life load um, situation. You know, you're probably working, you might have teenage children, you might have elderly parents, um, you've probably got a midlife partner as well. You know, there's a lot of different things going on. And so you, you're stretched quite a long way. So one of the things that we focus on as well as sort of giving nutritional advice is practical help on how you can easily put together a food plan that's healthy from a a nutritional basic foundation point of view that's easy to put into place at home, that's going to look after you and your family. Um, But then how can we tweak it to help you as sort of an individual woman? Um, So one of the things that we we've developed is what we call the healthy woman healthy runner method Um, and that's a sort of a a step-by-step approach to help people women get back into shape but also to reset their hormones and understand what's going on because I think that's another key you know I talked about not understanding about my hormones uh, from a stress point of view a lot of women and men don't understand about their other hormones you know the hormones that are affecting their um you know, their, their gender and their, their um, you know, reproductive cycle, if you like, and how that changes as you go through the menopause. So it's having some education around what affects it. And we, we focus on digestion, we focus on uh, liver health and detoxification. Uh, we look at um, environmental aspects that can be um, impacting or influencing your hormonal health. Um, so yeah, we try to make it educational, uh, practical, give people some simple resources of what they need to do to put it into place. Uh, and part of the method is, you know, it's like how you set yourself up for success, uh, how you shape up so that you lose those stubborn pounds, um, what you need to do to maximize energy levels at that stage in your life. Mm. And then we move on to what you need to do to fine tune your food plan for whatever your running goals are. Um, so that's a sort of um, an overview of sort of how we approach that. And within the podcast, we have a series called The Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner. And so we touch on some of those topics uh, within the podcast. Um, so the podcast is very, um, is a mixed, just like the way we work really, you know, so you find some scientific stuff about, you know, how you can improve your performance using certain nutrients. Um, But we also do foodie type episodes as well, you know, helping people to make a good smoothie, how to make a good nutritious bowl of soup and simple stuff like that, Um, just to give people a bit of a broad brush of everything that they need, really. Yeah, yeah. Sounds great. So what we'll do as well, um, is we'll put in the show notes some links to the to the podcast and to you as well. Just you know, for any anybody who wants to follow up. So I guess if we think about um, you know somebody who is potentially listening, thinking, um, well, what we'll, we'll take somebody who start you know thinking about you know I need to get back on my health. How to, uh, running is something that perhaps I've not had the best of experiences with, but I do know that it gets me outside, you know, it gets, you know, it's a chance to just get moving and that kind of thing. Um, how would you, you know, a midlifer, 
want to lose a little bit of weight, get back some energy, get a bit of balance back in. How would you encourage them to? What what, what kind of tips would you give them to get started to to make those start that start? Yeah, well, I think it's thinking about what what would motivate you. Um, are you somebody that likes to be in a community? And if you are, maybe think about joining um, a beginners running club. You know, there's lots yeah. of different local running clubs that. Um, you know, offer different entry levels, you know, so you might want to do um, a couch to 5k program, which you can do on your own, or you might want to join a group. Um, Park runs are a great focus. Um, You know, a lot of the couch to 5k programs build you up to doing your first park run. So if you do that in a nice group, that can be really encouraging because you're not on your own and uh, you know, there's a goal to, to reach. Um, so, you know, if you're a community-based person, that's probably a nice thing to do. Um, if you're not and you just want to go out and try it on your own, I think the best thing to do is get yourself a good pair of running shoes and um, maybe follow a running program on an app or something that you find, you know, on the web. Uh, there's lots of different um, programs out there. You'll find zillions of different ways of getting started. I didn't do it like that because I don't think things like that sort of were around that sort of 10, 12, 14 years ago. Um, I just sort of went out with a friend and uh, she talked a lot and I was out of breath a lot, but that was great. And then eventually I got to the point where I, I could go a little bit faster than her. She was like, got to the six mile point and then I was like, okay, I think I can do this on my own. Um, but, you know, do whatever you feel, walk, run to begin with. Mm. Um, it's slow and steady. I think that, that anybody would give a beginner that advice is yeah, don't yeah. go at it full pelt, take it gently, build it up. It's amazing how quickly you will get conditioned and yeah. build it up. And I think the other bit of advice is to do something restorative from an exercise point of view to counteract the stresses and strains you're putting on your body with running so you know to do some stretching or maybe do a yoga class or a pilates class as well um will help stop you getting any injuries i mean i I think i was quite fortunate because i did the gym training i was in quite reasonable strength position when i started running um but you know over the years i've done running programs they're they're everywhere you can go to physio clinics and they'll you know look at your gait and they'll work out what your running stride is and give you tips on um you know your posture and that kind of thing but you know it doesn't have to be difficult um do you know that there's a great way to think about it are you more community minded or are you somebody who well and it might just be because of time that you you you're okay going out yourself or you that's what you have to do at the moment um and i think the fact is you can but that advice of just don't put the pressure on yourself to maybe be out every day just take some time take a slow run walk i know when i got back into because i there was a point where you know i've never been an athlete in my life but i've done bits and pieces through life and then there's pretty pretty much midlife where you turn around and go come on you know and it was the couch of 5k that actually kick-started it for me and you can get that as a as a an app a free mm-hmm. app can't you so i used to just stick it on and go out myself until i had the confidence perhaps to then run with somebody else or join the crossfit as i did in due course um so i think you're right the the, the doing with somebody can be really powerful and, and you're right the park runs is amazing as a community um, your local running groups that the the, the the this you probably don't know that there's more, at least one or two 
in the area nearby, I'm sure, for most of you. Uh, and they, they often run these starter groups. I know the local one, Washington um, uh, running group here, they have a um, they have a particular starter group for that couch to 5K. So there's some brilliant options there. Um, and I guess it is just that you can, but don't go all or nothing. <laughs> Get out there five miles and come back hobbling. You know, that kind uh, of well, thing. the last thing you want is an injury. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you want yeah. to um, build yourself up slowly. And, and the other thing is that there's lots of really great Facebook groups as well. If, if right. you're on Facebook, um, zillions again of those. And I always think the running community is a very, you know, they're very helpful. Mm. And they they want to help you be a better runner in, you know, so you just have to say to somebody, I'm thinking of starting running and you'll find people that will give you advice. Yeah. And everybody's been a beginner. Everybody can remember what it was like being a beginner. Everybody's had challenges along the way, whether it's been injury or illness or trying to, to get to the next level. Um, but you will find that, you know, people are generous. They're very yeah. generous with yeah. their advice. And, uh, you know, it's a it's a great thing to experience and, and belong to. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. I think I've certainly, I've been in two running groups now with moving Derwent Side Athletic. Give them a shout out in Washington. And Derwent Side Athletic was the first group that I got involved in. Again, just great people still see the odd one or two at the park run and it's what 10 10 plus years 15 years since i was in the group you know and still friendly but you're right there's something about that and i think that you find that in a lot of sports don't you um there is there is that i mean at the end of the day you just need a pair of trainers and get out yeah, so that law... the thing about running is you're not um you're competing with yourself yeah, yeah. competing with other people and you know you can just um, you know, have your own competition and yeah. also, you know, applaud people for what they're doing, yeah. what, whether it's the elderly person who's at the back of the, the park run, but you see them every Saturday morning. Um, or I, I was chatting to somebody recently and he he was saying that he was a, a volunteer at a park run. And he was saying that uh, there was an amazing guy who did it in 15 minutes last weekend. And of course, you know, I'm, you know, <laughs> double that time. So I would never have seen him, but it was just nice to know that there was this fantastic runner and yeah. how well he'd yeah. done. Um, yeah. so it's nice to share. Yeah, this is brilliant. And I think you're right. So whether you start alone or with a community, you, you can always mix and match and, and you do as your confidence grows. And I think it ties into the, the biopsychosocial model, which I've mentioned odd times on, on the podcast in the past, the idea that as human beings, we need we need the physical, the the, the biological side to take care of. And the psychological, the, the um, social side is a critically important element to it. And it's, it's amazing how rich that can be and how enriching it can be when you join communities, which is why, you know, the podcast and no doubt the community that's serving is also a community within a community I'm, I'm i'm guessing because i think that can be really powerful can't it it can it can and it's uh you know it's a nice feeling of belonging and, yeah. and nice to know what people are doing i mean our community is um a lot of it's in the uk and ireland but there's people all over the world too and it gives us a real buzz you know when yeah. you hear from somebody in australia or new zealand or singapore you think wow that's pretty amazing that there's a runner somewhere in the world who's listened to one of our episodes you know? yeah 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 it's great well i think that's probably a good time to start to draw the close i thank you for your time one of the things I'd, i want to kind of um sort of mention to listeners obviously you can get in touch with aileen through the links that we have uh, i'll get you to give a shout out to the podcast as well again but I think part of this, part of the point of these episodes is to open us up uh, as perhaps those midlifers who are thinking, well, 
I know I want to do something, but I'm not sure where to start or what. There are a lot of options and running can be a really low barrier to entry, you know, mm. in how you do it and the options there. And and as you say, a great welcoming community and lots of advice. So I think for me, having had a lot of experience, I'm certainly no <laughs> Seb Core or anything like that myself, but it's certainly been a, a big part of my life over the years and um, stood me in good stead in a lot of ways. So um, I certainly encourage it. And, and that midlife, needn't be a barrier yes we might have to adapt you know mm -hmm. depending on where we're at with life but if we can so it's given that sense of hope so any part and thoughts for yes from you earlier and also shout out the podcast again just and we'll include it in the show notes yeah well I was just thinking when you were talking that day that one of the things about being a runner whether you know it's a, a short run or a longer run is it something for yourself and I think when yeah. we get to midlife we often um we don't ever do anything for ourselves. So it's something that you can do and achieve for yourself. You do get that feeling of achievement, whatever it is. Um, so I think that's that's really important uh, just to do something on your own. Um, you, you certainly de-stress by doing it. You're going to get some element of fitment, fitness. Ideally, you're going to be doing it outdoors. So again, that's going to be good for, for mental health. Um so, yeah, just give it a go. But I think, as you say, just doing anything, being prepared to just step outside of your comfort zone a little bit, um, you might surprise yourself. And you, it, what it will also do is make you think that you can try other things um, that are outside of your normal realm, which is what we're all trying to do. And, you know, we've we've talked about, you know, you said at the beginning that we certain things can um almost catapult you into making life changes yeah. and I, you know I've, you know on reflection there's been a few things that have happened to me throughout my life that have taken me on a different direction you know who would have thought that 10 years ago 12 years ago when I was studying that I would have ended up running a having a running podcast you know never expected that in no. the world. so you know it's something I love that. And I think actually that's for me is also the spirit of adventure that, you know, the restless midlife is about is it's tapping back into that. And often starting with your health can lead to a lot of unknowns because it can give you so much back. And you made that point. I think this is a great thing to finish on um, is to um, to remember that that we can forget to put ourselves, give ourselves some time. So running, whatever it is, is time for you. And it has so many other benefits um, in so many ways. So thank you for your time, Ellie. Do you want to give a shout out to the podcast? Just one more shout out for that, because I don't think you mentioned it there. Yeah, the podcast is She Runs, Eats, Performs on all usual channels. Excellent. And uh, yeah, you'll find everything that you need there and uh, links to the website. And we've got some free resources. And we also run free Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner training every few months. So uh, look out for that too. But yeah, it's been a pleasure, Dave. Really enjoyed the chat today. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thanks for sharing everything. Um, a great, great indication of a life that can be adventurous and we can see where it goes. And also just some great in, insight into both the nutrition and the, the running side. So it's been uh, brilliant. Thank you. And it's lovely to catch up as well. Early. Yeah. So um, thank you. And for listeners, uh, as always, you'll find the show notes at uh, the restlessmidlifer.com. And uh, you'll find all links, etc. if you want. And if you want to give any feedback, drop me a line at dave at restlessmidlifer.com. Take care for now. 
Thank you for listening. You'll find all show notes, links and resources mentioned at midlifereshape.com forward slash podcast. And it would mean so much if you could spread the word to your fellow restless midlifers. Share the show and links. And if you aren't already, subscribe to the show in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing. If you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting midlifereshape.com forward slash review. It would mean so much, and I may even give you a shout-out in return. And a quick final thanks to production assistant Karen North of North BA and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers at musicformakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget you really can reshape your midlife health and rekindle that spirit of adventure.